welcome to Unfamiliar Tales, a podcast about animals telling animal stories. We are your hosts. I am Pratima Gopalakrishnan, and with me is my co-host, Haley Milliman. Hello, Haley. Hi, hello. So we decided to split episode two into two parts. If you just want to dig right into the story of this cat, then you can skip ahead to episode two, part two, where we talk about Murr's birth story as told by Murr himself and also as told by his human, Master Abraham. But if you'd like to stick around for another 20 minutes, we will do a deep dive in uh, episode two, part one, into the structure of this book and some of our in-universe theories about why it looks the way that it does. So to recap a bit from episode one, we talked about how the premise of this book is that this cat named Murr wrote his autobiography, but as he did so, he found a book lying around that he tore up and used as blotting paper. This book is described as the biography of the Kapellmeister Johannes Chrysler. Neither the editor nor the publisher read the manuscript before it went off to press, so these two works got spliced together. So the publisher comes up with a solution of labeling the Murr sections as M continued and the Chrysler sections as WP for waste paper. So that's why you might hear us referring to the sections as M1, M2, WP1, WP2, etc. And I want to make it clear that although we will talk about M1 and WP1, that's our numbering system. In the actual book, these shifts actually happen mid-sentence, so it's not denoted like this chapter or this chapter. Yeah, and since Murr's autobiography was the one that was actually intended to be printed, that book is a complete manuscript. So when a Murr section cuts off, you get dropped into a WP section about Chrysler. But when that WP section ends and you're back in Murr's story, you actually pick up exactly where you left off. So if it ends mid-sentence, it resumes exactly at that spot in the middle of that sentence. And you also get each of the Murr sections in the order that the author, i.e. the cat, had intended. So that's not the case with the Chrysler sections. When a WP section cuts off and you go to a Murr section and then you come back to WP, to the story of Chrysler, you don't necessarily pick up exactly where you left off. So as you read through, you realize that a cat writing his autobiography is not the only strange thing about this book. There are things that don't make sense about the quote-unquote normal human book as well. One of the things we want to do is talk about the mystery of this biography of Kapellmeister Chrysler. First of all, this book is described as a biography of this man named Chrysler, but when you start reading it, it does not read like a standard biography at all. It doesn't have the Johannes Chrysler was born in such and such day in such and such place. Instead, it's written in this very experimental sort of way, very novelistic, and the narrator frequently comments on the difficulty of the task before him because he has such incomplete sources to reconstruct the events he's describing. Second, of course, going in, you don't know who this Chrysler man is at all as the reader and what he did that made him biography worthy. Um, and third, Murr found this book in the study of his human, but we learned from the editor and the publisher that somehow this book was a printed book that was completely unknown to anyone. So you have this strange book about this Kapellmeister character. We don't know why exactly someone would write a biography of him or what's so remarkable about him. We don't know how this biography would get printed and then just sit on a bookshelf, not to be seen by anyone. 
But as you're reading the two narratives unfolding side by side, you slowly realize that these are not two random books spliced together. Instead, they have overlapping characters. And in fact, this biography of Chrysler in the WP sections is actually a prequel to Murr's autobiography. Let's talk a little bit about this guy, Chrysler. So Chrysler is basically the ultimate misunderstood artist figure, and the events of the WP sections all take place in this town called Sikartzweiler at the court of Prince Irenaeus. Also at Prince Irenaeus's court is a man named Master Abraham, who is a friend to Chrysler and a master of the occult and other pyrotechnics. This man, Master Abraham, is also the cat Murr's human patron. So that's actually how these two books hinge together. And in my first reading of this book, Master Abraham was in some ways my anchor character. When I realized that he was in both Murr's and Chrysler's sections, I was able to make better sense of what was happening because, again, the experience of reading this book is that things just cut off um, in mid-sentence and jump to a completely different narrative. So having these common characters that occur in both narratives draws the narratives together and makes it make sense a little bit. The main events in this biography of Chrysler begin when Master Abraham invites his friend Chrysler to the court of Prince Irenaeus. Once Chrysler gets there, the story is set in motion, and Chrysler ends up in this very complicated love quadrangle. But then, as we get to the climax of these events at Prince Irenaeus's court, Chrysler suddenly disappears. We don't know where he goes. Meanwhile, Master Abraham also leaves the court and rescues the cat, Murr. It seems like a couple of years pass, and then Chrysler returns and meets Master Abraham again. At this point, Master Abraham introduces Chrysler to his cat, and he also tells Murr that he has to go away on some travels, so he actually entrusts Murr to Chrysler's care. And Murr himself corroborates this at the very end of his autobiography. He says that he is about to go and live with Master Abraham's friend, Johannes Chrysler. But here's the thing. You read about Chrysler's return and see his first encounter with Murr at the very beginning of the Chrysler narrative in WP1. Whereas Murr's autobiography moves in a linear order, and you only learn at the very end that Murr is about to move in with Chrysler, the WP sections have a circular order. So you start with Chrysler finally returning and seeing Master Abraham and meeting his cat Murr, and then from WP2 onwards, you're thrown back in time to the events at Prince Irenaeus's court. As you're watching the drama unfold at Prince Irenaeus's court, you know that eventually Master Abraham is going to rescue this cat Murr, and that one day Chrysler himself will also look after Murr. So all this means that you see Murr in the biography of Chrysler in WP1 when Chrysler returns after this gap of being away and sees Master Abraham again and Master Abraham introduces Murr to him. And you also see Chrysler in Murr's autobiography at the very end when Murr says, I'm about to go and live with Johannes Chrysler. So these are not two random books spliced together. These are two stories that are interconnected in really unexpected ways in ways that the preface does not clue us into. And while we just explained that to you very straightforwardly, it's never laid out quite like this in the book. Instead, you realize over time that these two books have overlapping characters, and you don't actually see how the pieces all fit together until the very end. Obviously, as a reader, this can be very disorienting, in a fun sort of way. We don't know if this biography of Chrysler was supposed to have this weird shift in time back from WP1 to WP2, 
or if these sections were just spliced together out of order by accident when the mix-up happened with the two manuscripts. So it's possible that the biography of Chrysler actually did intend to start with Chrysler meeting Murr, and then the narrator actually intended a flashback to Seekartsweiler. But again, we just don't know. Yeah, and I will say from WP2 onwards, once we're in Seekartsweiler, the narrative stays there till the end. But yeah, we just don't know if this was the intended order, partly because, like we already mentioned, consecutive WP sections don't exactly or don't pick up exactly where the previous one left off. They usually pick up in a similar enough place, but you're definitely missing stuff in the middle. And again, this is probably because Murr's autobiography was actually intended to be printed and published, and Chrysler biography was just the one that got spliced together. We also talked in episode one about the publication history of this book and how there's a volume three that never got written. We mentioned that Hoffman's real life cat Murr died shortly before volume two was published and this death is reported in an editor's note at the end of volume two and then Hoffman himself died shortly after that and it seems that he never got around to writing that volume three. So Although we have all the parts of the book that were written, we don't have a complete story. It's possible that Volume 3 would have told us about Murr's time living with Chrysler and potentially also covered this gap in time when Master Abraham and Chrysler had both left Prince Irenaeus' court, didn't see each other for a little while in the middle. We'll never know. Yeah, and that brings us to the last mystery of this biography of Chrysler. So we have reason to believe that Murr writes his own autobiography when he's at Chrysler's house. So the study where he found this printed book and tore it up actually could have been Chrysler's house and Chrysler's study. All of this raises a question, which is, why on earth did Chrysler have a printed book on his shelf that was a biography of himself? This is why we said Murr, a cat writing his own autobiography, is not the only strange thing about this book. There's also the possibility that one might just have a biography of oneself, just sitting unattended, gathering dust on one's bookshelf, waiting <laughs> for a cat to tear it up and use it as blotting paper. And just to be clear, this is not an autobiography, but it's a biography written in the third person. And not just any biography, but a highly experimental one that also makes a mockery of genre conventions for a supposed biography. So yeah, who wrote this biography? Why did they write it? The editor throws some shade at Chrysler in the preface and says, no one has ever seen this book before. <laughs> so it's just this printed, unpublished biography of himself that's potentially sitting in his own study. It's actually even more eviscerating than having a printed bound copy of your dissertation on your shelf. It would be 10 times as worse if it was a third person biography of myself that got spliced with my cat's autobiography and then literally labeled as WP for waste paper. So we've thrown around a few theories of authorship in our in our studio. <laughs> we've workshopped this. We've we we have a yeah, whole I was just gonna say that we have a crazy whiteboard <laughs> with different strings exactly. connecting. <laughs> We're trying to figure out our th who wrote this mm -hmm. biography. We have a few candidates. We have three candidates. We have Master Abraham, who I think is perhaps the most obvious candidate. We have. The Cat Murr, which is probably not true, but we're going to entertain it. 
We're going to entertain it because it's the most delightful of the options. We would love mm-hmm. for it to be true. And then the third one, the one that we actually, that we actually, I think, land on is the Chryslerian theory of authorship, which is that we think that Johannes Chrysler himself wrote this biography of himself. So let's start with the Master Abraham theory. Master Abraham clearly is the most obvious candidate. Master Abraham is in both mm-hmm. the narratives. He's in both the Chrysler story and Murr's story. So he has the knowledge of Chrysler, of all these events at Prince Renaeus' court. He definitely know, knows the events well enough to write about them. This does depend on whose study you think mm-hmm. Murr wrote his autobiography in. And I will admit for most of the book, I, I thought that Murr was writing this autobiography in Master Abraham's study, just because that's where a lot of the action is set. And it's not until the very end that you realize that oh, this might have been Chrysler's study instead. So if you think that it was written in Master Abraham's study, it makes a little bit of sense maybe that Master Abraham would have a book on his shelf that's a biography of Chrysler that he had printed and nobody ever read. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It, it does. Master Abraham is this kind of weirdo occult dude. And Chrysler's his friend too, right? Like Chrysler, <laughs> he knows Chrysler. He's yes, Chrysler's yeah, his yeah, friend. Course, and so yeah. maybe he just... So he did a kind of uh, biography yes. for the occult. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, not too, I'm not super convinced by this theory, mainly because just, the voice of the Chrysler biography is so yeah. distinctive and it just it doesn't fit with Master Abraham. So there's another option, which is that Murr the cat wrote the biography, which is intriguing. Part of the reason it could be Murr is that we learn in both books that Murr lives with Chrysler. And we also know uh, that Murr takes a lot of inspiration for his books from the situations he's living in. So we will talk in the next episode about how he meets this poodle and decides to write this treatise based on this meeting with this poodle. But I think it's there's a world in which Murr is living with Chrysler and finds Chrysler's life and stories very fascinating and maybe decides to write about it and then just never does anything with that. That being said, it doesn't really make sense of how that book ends up being printed and then how Murr ends up being able to tear it up to use it as his blotting paper. I I want to believe this (laughs) so badly. If this is true, then Murr is the most brilliant biographer (laughs) of the history of cat kind. Yep, humankind, humankind. all of it. But yeah, I I think my... I I would wonder, first of all, how did he learn all these things about Chrysler? Mm -hmm. Because obviously all of this happens, all the stuff at Seacartsweiler happens before Murr himself was born. But I have to say the thing that makes the Murrian theory of authorship least credible for me is this problem that Murr does not strike me as a type who would write a manuscript and then have it printed and then leave it unattended. He would be on an like an author tour. He would be like <laughs> he would be he would be prouder of his accomplishments. That's something that's one of the things that I like so much about him. Yeah. Chrysler, on the other hand, I could absolutely see him finishing the book, completing it, and not showing it to anyone. So let's talk about the Chryslerian theory of authorship, which I think is our strongest candidate. The more I think about it, the more I think that Chrysler wrote this biography of Chrysler. Um, And I think, I partially think that just because of what we know about Chrysler, as we've mentioned, he's the ultimate sad boy, misunderstood artist, and it just makes sense that he would do this and then not tell anyone. (laughs) It also fits with his personality for it to be so rambling, which it is. The narrator is, the, the Chrysler character in the WP sections often talks about how he cannot tell you a straight story, 
how uh, boring it is to tell a straightforward biography and also about the impossibility of telling a straightforward biographical story of someone. But then the narrator of the Chrysler biography also talks about how his sources are so terrible and how he could never put together a story about a, a straightforward story like you, the reader, might want because of how he's working with these sources that are that also aren't, aren't giving him exactly what he needs exactly when he needs it. So he can't tell you basic, this does not start with basic information like where or when Chrysler was born or things like that. I think, I think it makes total sense that Chrysler would be, Chrysler writing this biography would be like, my sources are terrible about my own life. <laughs> I am unable to tell you a straightforward story. And actually, this has some parallels to something we'll talk about later, which is the unknowability of our own lives. Do you want to say something about that? Murr kind of talks about how he can't tell us about the moment he achieved consciousness. If we take the Chryslerian theory of authorship as true, there are some parallels reflected there. It seems like Chrysler is wrestling with the same problem about the unknowability of Chrysler's life. And the biography, again, says that. I can't tell you the story straight. I've got to go on these tangents. I'm resisting starting at the beginning because the beginning is unknowable. It's very similar in, in those ways. So the more I study our corkboard, um, the more I think that Chrysler probably wrote this biography, again, third-person biography of himself, of Chrysler, and it just makes perfect sense to me that he would be very concerned with getting his story out there, getting his narrative out there, but then also get his narrative out there and think, oh my gosh, this is trash. <laughs> I'm going to print it and then hide it in my study and no one will see it. But thanks to Murr, we are getting to read his story too. So it, it worked out for posterity. It, it all It all worked out. May all our works meet this fate that they end up spliced together with our cat's autobiographies and see the light of day. This is my hope. We, this is my hope for all of you. So that wraps up our deep dive into the structure of the book, <laughs> the mystery of Chrysler's biography, and our Chryslerian theory of authorship for this biography. And then in the second half of episode two, we will talk about Murr's birth and some of the stories that we tell about the births of our own animal friends. <laughs>